23:55. I've thrown in a little bit of, of verse 55 so that you can see who we're talking about. And it's the women. Everyone say the women. Okay, is it up? Okay, here we go. Let's read it. The women found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And this caused uh, all kinds of speculation that maybe the Christians had stolen his body. Of course, they had put armed guards out there, so they really knew that wasn't true. But And we're going to take a look at that. So our lesson today is called The Empty Tomb. Can you say that? The Empty Tomb, the empty tomb, it means everything to you. It means everything to me. So let's praise him one more time before we sit down. Father, today I pray you'll help our hearts to receive the word. I pray that your presence will be in this place, Lord, as we look at the word of God this morning. Anoint everything, every song, the preaching, everything today. Allow your will to be done. We thank you for it. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for, for standing. So we're our lesson today is entitled The Empty Tomb. And... Um, I want to look at a few things here. Now, you'll have to put up with my Bible having little uh, post-it notes because I, I didn't have, I wanted to pull them off. But um, as I came in, I just didn't have time to do it without tearing the page. So, so we're going to just leave them there. The post-it notes are at the story in Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke of the resurrection. Of course, Easter is celebrated the world over. And one of the great testimonies of the, of the resurrection, we could say the empty tomb, but it was more than an empty tomb. The empty tomb didn't save you. It was a Jesus Savior of your soul that saved you. But the fact that he came out of that tomb and left it empty is what, of course, brought us our hope and our peace. We're going to look at the ways in which the Bible refers to this. But for many... Uh, the empty tomb uh, is, is, is a theological debate. In other words, how, do we, uh, how could that happen? Could, nobody could rise from the dead. Jesus couldn't do it. It never happened. And that's what the sort of the scientific approach, even in our day, that you know, it's just not possible like Jesus uh, raising the dead or walking on water or anything Jesus did. The, of course, the, the problem with that is that you've got literally hundreds of people that are witnesses so either you have to make them total blithering idiots or liars or something even worse than that. And that's just not, I mean, very not credible. Not many people are going to buy that. So what they tend to do is just say the Bible's just sort of like that, kind of like Mickey Mouse. It's in the level with Mickey Mouse and, and uh, Cinderella and things like that. In fact, I, I spoke to someone as a theologian and said, well, you know, Talmadge, the, the Bible is, you, you know, you've got a Ph.D. The Bible is just a book that really makes people feel really good. But, you know, it's not really true. It's not meant to be true. I said, well, then how do you get around that it would be lying? How do you get around that? Well, we don't want this particular person said something I hadn't heard. And really many people say that they, it wasn't considered lying back then. You could make up stories like that, and people would just think that was, they just understood you were, I said, so why would they do that? What would be the purpose? Well, that, that helped their cause and so on. So I, what does that say about Christianity, or if for that matter, anything? That lying about it and just pretending, and you could say, well, we enslaved all these people and put them in slave ships. But that's just, uh, that, that doesn't matter what we did because we're going to tell a different story about it. See, that, what would that say of Christianity? 
And of course, the <laughs> of course, it doesn't work. Uh, the fact of the matter is the tomb was empty because he rose from the dead. And the devil hates it. He hates it this morning. I, I can tell you, I could just sense the devil just like a, he's chewing his nails. I told the devil this morning, listen, I, I got over chewing my nails a long time ago, and you're still biting your nails. And you think you're such a big know-it-all. Just because he pushes people around and, and casts them into hell, that doesn't mean he knows everything. He is a liar and a loser. And judgment is coming. And if anything tells the story of judgment, it's the resurrection. So it's both the, it's the peace of God and it's the judgment of God at the same time. It show, of course, Calvary does all of this. In many ways, what we say about the tomb is what we would say about Calvary. So when the blood comes down the cross, it's for our healing. It's for our salvation. The same is true when he comes out of the grave. It's for our hope, our peace. But it also then shows that he's Lord. You said he wasn't Lord, but he is Lord. He came out of the tomb. So the women found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Now, we're going to come back to that. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. So they found it. Uh, they found it empty. Now, let's go to the next slide. Now, I want to talk here. I'm going to jump over to Romans I said this last week or whenever I taught on this. I've been getting into the resurrection. This may be my last real chance to, uh, except maybe Easter morning itself. Maybe, maybe Easter morning. But Romans 1 <coughs> and 3 uh, tells us uh, the, the ultimate uh, purpose or reality or truth of the resurrection is that it demonstrates that Jesus is God, that he was though though he was a man, he was still God. And that's what Jesus claimed all along. I'm a, I am a man, but I'm not merely a man. Can you say praise the Lord? I'm not merely a man. I, I'm, I'm a man, but I'm not merely a man. Well, who, who are you? Well, you should know. You say you knew my father. You should know who I am. That's what he when they started poking around at him. That's the way he talked to them. Now, we're, of course, we're not over there. We're over here in Romans now. And look at Romans uh, one, three, and we'll read into verse four concerning. So this is really the introduction to the book of Romans concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everyone say our Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise him. He's our Lord concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise God. Whoa, I feel good this morning. So he's our Lord which, of course, that's King James, but technically in English you're supposed to say who, who was made of the seed of David. So what does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus wasn't a man in some other way. He was a true human being. His seed, the word seed, means the very DNA of David was passed down and the son of God was born a literal human being, just like I have a father, and my father had a father. And all the way back, if you could, I don't know, I guess it would take, I don't know if anybody's ever done this, but you could, if you had, if you were as smart as all these eggheads up in the universities here, you could trace your DNA all the way back to Adam himself. Someone asked me, I get some really wonderful questions. They were wanting to know how you could trace DNA past the flood and Noah's Ark. 
I said, we don't even have to answer that because no one's ever gotten near it. We don't even have to go back to the flood to worry about tracing DNA. We can barely figure out exactly what the DNA is at a crime scene. Although I'm not trying to belittle it. We can do amazing things, and, and thank goodness they, they do their very best. But what I'm to tell you is that the Bible, which is true, tells us that he was made of the seed of David. He wouldn't just sound. Someone, there is a group out there that thinks that, that Jesus was so perfect that he wasn't human. Like, he was human, but not like we are. He was human, but not like we are. I said, well, where do you find these people? Well, they're just one of them. In other words, they had Jesus so human that he wasn't human at all. I said, if he didn't come from Adam, that's what they were trying to get at. Because their problem was that Adam, this is known as divine flesh teaching. And I have several, I know several people that hold to it. That he's so good. They think that because they're making him so, so Mary had nothing to do whatsoever. With the DNA, I said, well, how did he get David's DNA in him? If his DNA doesn't come from earth, where did it come from? Well, they had all these. Th in other words, they invented. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that he really was a man. Folks, listen, he was a man. He became a man that he could die for your sins and my sins so he could make us into what we ought to be. So listen to me. He's not sitting around and saying, okay, who are you? You're not good enough. You little peep squeak. Why would, he, why would he give his life for you and sit around and then start poking fun? I just can't wait to throw you in hell. What kind of a God would come to earth, spend 30 years, and give his life's blood and then just act like you're a nobody? Folks, you mean everything to him. He loves you. Love is real. Love is powerful. My wife's not here and uh, it's because of love. She loves her mother so dearly. Her mother is very, very ill. And, uh, and, 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 and she has such love and compassion and concern. And she has an, an, a tremendous amount of, of personal anguish over the fact that she lives in Georgia. Her mother lives, uh, they both live in Jonesboro, but two different states. And then I love them both. So love, isn't love amazing? Now, I know in our culture, people are calling things love that are nothing but pure, unadulterated adultery. Sin, it's not love at all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about genuine love. Like, like it's difficult. Now, I know we're in a strange culture where even sometimes fathers do not love their children. I understand that. But there's a lot of people love their children. It's very, it's very difficult for the devil to rob people of that kind of love. So a dad loves his son. May not be perfect, but he loves that son. It, it begins to demonstrate itself in all kinds of ways. So love is a very powerful thing. And that love was never more demonstrated than when Christ took on human form. Or a better way to say it. That's okay to say it that way. But he became... A man. Someone challenged me on that just a couple of days ago. How you, you say became a man. I said, just the Bible says he became a man. Where is that at in the Bible? I said, why don't you go find it? Go find that. I said, it's in the King James. Exactly like all you, all you need is. A, I didn't make him do it, but I, I just wanted to make him, you know, show me this. Show me that. Where's, tell me I can't smoke. Where's that at in there? No, he became a man. 
Gospel of John, chapter 1. He became a man. He wasn't a man, but he became a man. He took on and was made of the seed of David according to what? Everybody? According to the flesh. See it? Is, is it on there? I'm going to point to it because I love pointing. Here we go. This is my, maybe my last chance to point. According to the flesh. Why would they say that? Why would they say according to the flesh? Because we're not talking about Jesus according to the spirit. According to the spirit, he was God. Invisible, not a man. But according to the flesh, he was made of the seed of David. He came from the loins of David. Praise God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. All right, so we got to hurry. This is just one verse. And declared to be what? I'm going to get the point a lot. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. See, I, I ooh, see, you're, you're thinking I'm going to get on that. By the resurrection from the dead, the proof of his deity is the power of the resurrection. So whatever you need is, listen to me, whatever you need today, it's not in a bar. It's not in drugs. It's not in sin. It's not in illicitness. Whatever you need today is going to be found in the power of the resurrection of a God that loved you that much. He conquered death and came forth victorious. Okay, now let's get off of Romans 1 and let's go back. So uh, John eleven twenty five. 25, this is a repeat. I want to go back and rehearse a couple things. Jesus said, now the, the big letters to the right are a quote of John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus, I took that, by the way, from a, a card. So I, just, I didn't type that in. I just put that there. I typed the rest of it. But that little piece where it says Jesus said, that's from, a, from a, an Easter card. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Now notice, and I know I said this last time, but it's very, very worth repeating. He didn't say there. I am resurrected. Did he? Now he is resurrected. He will be resurrected. But that's not what he's getting. Woo! Hallelujah. We need to have work day more often. I am the resurrection. He is the resurrection. So when you're talking about Easter, you're not talking about a theological debate. We're talking about your eternity. He is the resurrection. My goodness. Whoa, folks, you need to calm down. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he said he was. He's God himself. Everyone say God himself. That's exactly who he is. Let's praise him a little bit for that. You're God. We praise you as Lord. You're the Lord of heaven. You made all things, Lord. You are the maker of heaven and earth. We thank you for it. And that Jesus alone has power over the grave. The devil could not stop him. I am a human being. I stand here. I'm, I'm as fallible as anybody standing on this planet. But I serve a Savior that conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has the power over. Therefore, see, now you're not getting it. Some of you are... Uh, mm -mm. His resurrection means that he conquered the power of death. And therefore, he is the God, the almighty God, or what the Hebrews call the El Shaddai. 
He is the almighty God. Praise God. Now, I feel, I've, I've really been feeling this ever since I uh, prepared this lesson that, uh, that the question people will often raise, I'm talking about sincere question, is, uh, well, if he's almighty, why, is, why are we 2,000 years later? See, I get these kinds of questions from people because I'm a preacher. Uh, my favorite question, but one of the most amazing questions is, Reverend, why did God make the world? Why did he make a world knowing that? Uh, usually, uh, the last Bible study I had with someone, they were, uh, well, I can't, I can't tell that. Um, there, there was, uh, they had lots of uh, problems. I mean, very serious problems like many people have. And they were sincere. I mean, tears running down their face. Why did God let this happen? See? Which begs, I mean, that's a very interesting way to say it. And you don't say to them, oh, don't, you said that wrong. You can't say that. Someone weeping and their lives a mess and the, and their all the things that are happening to them and then you say to them well, you're asking the wrong question they can't do that they might have been asking it technically wrong and because the truth is that God isn't the one that let it happen now what they mean of course is and this is if you get far enough along in the discussion they're going to say well if why did God even make the world and I wait for him to get there. Because that's where it really gets juicy. Why did he even make the world? And then I'll stop and I say, well, would you have, um, would you have, um, knowing what was going to happen to your baby, would you have had that baby anyway? Let's say you knew that at 20 years old, this or that, would you just say, I never want them to exist? Is that, would you do it? Do you love that baby enough that, that even if you only have, someone said, well, I only had the, my baby for 30 years and then something happened, would you have wanted to wipe them from existence? Well, no, they would say. I've never, never, now you, maybe you know someone, and I would have been uh, willing to accept it, but most, I've never had anyone ever say, no, I'd rather never have known that baby. I said, there's your answer. Every time you saw that baby smile and every time you put those shoes on that little boy and all the things that life was about, that's why. Because living is worth it no matter what else. And in the, if you're breathing, then God knows his gospel is able to reach and touch. And so it is. In fact, the last person that asked me this wanted to know, why did God create anybody if he would judge anybody? I said, well, let me ask you that same question. Why do you judge people? Well, I don't. I said, you don't? Do you think if someone murdered your wife right now in front of us and that there should be no punishment? Oh, well, no. Then you just judge them. Why would you judge anybody for anything? Folks, I want to tell you something. We serve a Lord that is the resurrection. And he is the life, praise God. And he would have done it if only one person had believed. But he saw you, see. 
There was an old song. I've not heard it. People, I don't know, maybe people didn't like it. I liked it, but it's just French. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. We don't all like, we don't like exactly the same songs. And if I know she doesn't like it, then, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, she, there's this song that used to say, uh, and when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And I told her, I said, I don't know what it is about that song, but I, <laughs> I love that song. Nobody sings it. It's like, oh, that's too old-fashioned. But when I think about him on Calvary, now I know that, <laughs> I mean, billions of people, how can we all be on his mind? I, I know, I know it's it's uh, interesting thought, but the truth of the matter is you were on his mind. It was all about you. If someone doesn't make it, they may not make it, but it was for you that he died. It was for me that he died. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> so he defeated death. Now, if you want to die and stay in, in death's grip, that's up to you. I choose not to do it. Jesus' triumph over death guarantees our hope of resurrection and eternal life. Jesus isn't merely Lord. Notice I put that. That's a, oh, that's a whole discussion. But he is the victor. He isn't just a God. He isn't just a theological something. He is the victor over all evil and the judge of evildoers. In the end, every tear that was ever shed, he's going to take care of it. Hallelujah. I love this. I love this. Because whatever you're facing, whatever it is you've been through, you're serving a God that is able to overcome the deep sin and trial that you have been bearing. That's the God that we serve. You think you could just lift your hand one more time and and just thank him for it. It's really, really I feel it so strong. Lord, you are victor. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> so let's go to Mark 16 and notice I still have my little th things there. The stone. Everybody say the stone. That's the way they found it. The stone was rolled away. Can we say that? The stone was rolled away. Now, this, I, I, I wanted to deal with this, but I'm going to go quickly because I can see the time is going to pass. Notice it said, see, I'm quoting, even though it's in big giant letters there. The stone was rolled away for it was what? It was... Okay, that's King James, but in other words, it was really big. And that, um, that scared them. Who, in, who could have moved this stone? That's really, and it goes on to say that. But what I'm trying to demonstrate in this little artist rendition, uh, I should have looked at that closer, but uh, I guess I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I know you don't think that's a snapshot of the resurrection. It's just an artist's 
rendering, and, and he's, uh, this picture has him, uh, well, I my favorite person in this, well, no, I love the angel. I'm, I'm, the angel is my favorite. I, I don't mean to make light of that. I'm not making light of that. that I'm thrilled about the angel. I'm just, this guy in front of him doing this, that's my, I love that. There the angel is, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to tell you why so many millions of people turn to Jesus. It's because he's Lord. They see evidence everywhere they turn. Hallelujah. Someone said, uh, well, how, how come you believe in speaking in tongues? Because the Bible said it, and I believed it, and it happened to me. I was at a university some time ago talking about this, and they said, uh, they sent word that we think Pentecostals are crazy, and so they want me to come. <laughs> I said, so they want the crazy preacher to come. And so I thought, and, and of course, they thought I would say no. I know, knew the people that's been, I was when I was pastoring in Chicago. And they said, oh, no, Reverend, don't come. Oh, no, we didn't mean for you to actually come. No, this is a joke. They intend to just shred you or whatever. That wasn't their word. That was my word. And uh, I said, no, I, I want to come. I want to be there. I want to walk in there. So I walked in. I'll never forget this. Uh, I'm sure I've told you about this. I walked in, and I kind of walked up to the podium, and I said, I'm the crazy preacher that speaks in other tongues and has a Ph.D. and a master's degree. But I said, I have more than that. I have a son. And so, uh, so I walk up, and I say, my son uh, was at two years old. And, and, I mean, he was only at the time uh, uh, right at two years old. And so I said, but I want to tell you what God did. And I told of the miracle of his cancer and how all about the miracle. <laughs> I can't talk about that. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm, I don't know. i got to do work day more often because I'm really feeling stuff. And so uh, and, and I, I begin to tell him, I said, now, I'm crazy because I speak in tongues, but here's the God I serve. I said, that boy was at death's door and one touch of the Holy Ghost and he was healed instantly. God took the cancer from his body and I've got the doctor's report right here. So I said, no, I didn't say it like that. I mean, I'm preaching. And so I got to act a little wacky. I, I just said, no, here it is. He was healed. I said, now, if your God could heal cancer and does and says he would and that it's all in his blood, he shed his blood, and in his blood there's atonement for my healing. Oh, hallelujah. I said, would you think it was hard for him to call? I said, I speak several languages. I teach ancient Greek. I teach Hebrew. I teach Latin. That's my, that's my, I'm a preacher, but I'm just crazy enough that I teach ancient language. I said, speaking in tongues is not the craziest thing I do. And I can tell you right now, that causing someone to suddenly speak a language they don't know. And I knew the people. I'm not going to go into it. And I knew their language. And I said, and I want to tell you, if I suddenly could speak this language, that would not be more of a miracle 
then my baby healed instantly. I said, I could tell you about the blood running from his mouth. I could tell you of his hair falling out. I could tell you all the story. I won't give you the detail, but I will tell you when God healed him, he did a good job. I said, do, you, do I need to bring him in here? I said, I won't because if you won't believe my words, why would you believe his? I said, it makes no difference. But what you have to decide is, are we crazy or is God really this powerful? See, that's what we have to decide. <laughs> if God is powerful, then he can do anything. Now, that doesn't prove that we're supposed to speak in tongues. That's a whole other story. But, the, but to think it's impossible because it's so hard, it's not hard for God. And there's no doubt they spoke in tongues in the Bible. The question is, are we supposed to speak in tongues? Well, you came too late to tell me that I'm not going to speak in tongues. And one of them, that by the, I'm just going to say it, it was a room full of Muslim people. And he stood, the guy stood up and he said, what, what, what? and I said, I know what you're going to say. And he went, woo! I don't know if he made the noise, but he did kind of go back. I'm quite sure he did not make a noise. And he stepped back, and I said, he, I said no, no, no. I'm not uh, trying to scare you. I know what you're going to ask. He, said, he thought the Spirit had revealed it to me. The Holy Ghost, if God could do all the things I was talking about, he's revealing it. I said, I believe God reveals things, but that's not what happened here. You're a Muslim, and I'm a Christian, and wouldn't matter who you were, I have asked people many times, uh, talked to them about speaking in tongues, and they would say, uh, well, would you please speak in tongues for us? And he goes, how did you know that? I said, it wasn't supernatural. You assume that if I speak in tongues, that it's just something you just do, and here we go, we'll just speak in tongues. I said, but see, there's where we will have to end this conversation, because I don't speak in tongues for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, I'll tell you what, if you keep, if you keep asking these questions, somebody's going to be talking in tongues. And I said, it's liable to be me because I said, I talk in tongues driving into Chicago. I was talking about one day I was, my son, I can't go into that, I, how I was driving in. The Holy Ghost started moving. I was just doing this. And I mean, it was on the, uh, the, uh, the two, uh, what is the eight, two, uh, yeah, 290? The 290. I was getting in on the 290. And, and we were, surgery, waiting on open heart surgery for my baby. And, and I said, I got to say, Lord, Lord, Lord. And I looked over to the car next to me. And they were going. And I didn't stop. I thought, well, they knew what I knew. If they were on their way to a hospital where the, where their, where the wife has been laying on the floor waiting for this baby to finally have surgery, you might be Waving your hand in traffic as well. Now, I, I, I've told that, and I understand that's not safe. And Sister French just told me that if you're going to pray, keep both hands on the steering wheel. So I've told her that I would do that. Of course, you have to understand that I used to read as I drive. And I have repented of that. But I did it for years. I told Sister French, I've been doing this way before I met you. 
She said, if we want to keep meeting me, you need to quit reading while you drive. So I had to promise her. And I said, um, mm, and then she said, let me see your hands. Because we used to have this little thing, just a joke, but okay, am I running out of time? Tell me I'm not running out of time. So I promised her. I won't read. I'll read some other. I won't read as a drive. Because I thought I could, I could read several books of, you know, at a time, and I could go through, and I, I got a, some, a quote on books I have to finish. And I could set it up there. She said, if, y if I see a book on the seat of your car, I'm going to know. I, I want to trust you. I said, well, you've got to trust me. Just because the book's in the seat of the car doesn't mean I was reading it. I've promised not to do it. Folks, I want to tell you something. When that angel pushed that stone away, it changed all of our lives forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. It changed us forever. Okay, let's go to the next one. I, I can kind of go fast. I've only got a few minutes. but So as, as it began to dawn, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. I'm going to say the other Mary. Now that, we know who the other Mary is because they just told us a few verses up. So let's not worry about, they were two Marys. That's all that matters. All right, here's what Matthew 28 tells us. This is the eyewitness account. There was an earthquake. I'm going to say an earthquake. An angel rolls back the stone and sits on that stone. Then his countenance is described as being like lightning. So uh, that, that's really, I love that. I've been, that's been on my mind quite a bit. Then the guards begin to shake and they fall as if dead. Just seeing these angels caused them to um, fall as dead. And then the angel said this to the women. Here it is, the bottom of the thing. He is, he, I, I typed that in wrong. He is not here for he is risen. <laughs> I, I don't know what I think of when I type this. I'm not sure if I know any languages. All right. So he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So the angel, are you following this? This is an eyewitness. This is pretty detailed. Says to the women that both marries. I want you to come with me. I want to show you where <laughs> Jesus. I want to show you where uh, the, the Lord was laying, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> because there's something in the seeing of the place, and I'm going to tell you what it was. I, I don't have time to develop it because I'm almost out of time. But that what actually happened is the clothes that he was in, he didn't need because he now had regal robes. And so the cloth he was wrapped in, that was laying exactly as it was when it was in his, on his body. So you could see, that's why he took them in there. And they saw that and they said, oh my goodness. He did, He's, he resurrected right out of those, uh, let's call them grave clothes, which is what they were. And, and he, then he said, go quickly and tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. Amen. Are you telling people that he's risen from the dead? So of course you are. Now let's go to the next one. And uh, so on the way, uh, oh, oh, oh. On the way, he meets, Jesus meets these two women again. See, I had a whole, I mean, I wanted to run the aisle on this. But let's stand all across the building. I got I to gotta move. Um, so 
there's a whole sermon in why he doubled back around and saw them again. And he says, all hail, that's the King James, or all everybody rejoice. And so they begin to rejoice. And the Bible says that they bowed at his feet and they grabbed his feet and they begin to worship him. I think this would be a good time for us to worship the Lord. I'm going to end the lesson, but let's lift our hands and let's let's worship the Lord. Lord, we rejoice today in your salvation. Thank you, Lord. I'd never deny your resurrection. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks or calls me. Doesn't matter how anybody thinks about it. I know you're alive. I know you came out of the grave, and I believe every one of the hundreds of witnesses that tell us that it happened. But, Lord, more than that, I know it happened because you're living in my heart and my life. You changed my life. You picked me up from sin. You turned my life around, and I praise you for it. And, Lord, let me be a witness. Let me go tell them that he's risen from the dead. And we give you praise in Jesus' name.